You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. So are you saying this battle is the cover we need to win the war? I'm afraid so. could share what you expect to find on Endor, I could bring up that screen. I am looking for hope, Lord Jim. Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this special episode, I'm going to be speaking with Albert Pune, the director of many Projection Booth favorites around here, including Mean Guns, Captain America, and you know me, I'm always dropping Brain Smasher, a love story, into conversation whenever I possibly can. I'm going to be talking to him about Interstellar Civil War, Shadows of the Empire, his latest film, kind of his epic sci-fi movie that we've been waiting for a long time. With no further ado, let's go ahead and play that interview. I want to ask you a little bit about Interstellar Civil War. Can you tell me, how did the project come about? I think I saw The Force Awakens, and I was really disappointed at how, you know, Safe had played it, and I just saw that they had no depth. It didn't really explore the things that I was most interested in. I just realized at the same time that I just had just seen the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven by Ridley Scott, and he added so much into that director's cut that I thought you just don't see that kind of depth and detail in fantasy films. And I just couldn't understand why. And so that was the genesis of this project. I originally had tried to make a Black Hawk Down version of, of a space opera, but that's when you know, my disease was was too limiting in being able to shoot any of that kind of action and that kind of a world. So I had to get into a more controlled environment to be able to uh, make the film. And you know, even then, I had seizures while I was directing, even in a controlled environment. But at least it, there was a way digitally to finish the film. And I think my dementia really uh, controlled the uh, the way the film evolved. The scripts, as you draft after draft, they really 
became more and more imprinted by what I was going through with uh, the dementia, by how, you know, you think you're living in one kind of reality, and yet something is taken away or really actually controlling the reality. Eventually, you know, that your reality will be totally sucked away by it. And that's the way I think the the bottom line of the film is, is that all the characters believe that they're all uh, engaged in in this civil war, the civil conflict, and we're trying to figure out how to resolve it. And yet there's this other thing that is kind of controlling the events and manipulating the events. So they don't really realize what the reality really is. There's a, that's just the way I felt with the dementia is that, you know, you're always questioning, hmm, did I, I don't remember that. And I don't remember this. And I don't remember why I'm in this room or, you know, I don't remember what happened 10 minutes ago. And, so you start to doubt a lot of uh, what your reality is. And it's, uh, I've tried to inject that into the film. I don't want to just focus on your illness, but it does sound like it is kind of part and parcel of the film. I'm, it's got to be tough enough to direct a film when you are 100% tip-top shape. How did your illness affect the way that the film was actually being shot for you? It was really due to the courage and the support I got from the cast and crew that the film got done. Because even when I would have seizures, and these aren't the kind of seizures that, you know, like uh, epilepsy where you, but I would just drift, lose consciousness, or I lose my eyesight or lose my hearing, and then, and then it would all come back. And uh, I had to really rely on the actors to be able to be strong enough in their performances and their faith in the script and their characters to accomplish it. And, uh, and even with the disease, we still did about, I don't know, some days we did like 30 pages a day. And so it's really due to the work that the actors put in and the, and the belief that they had and the support of the crew in particular, Michael Sue is really responsible for our film looking so good. And, Tony Ripperetti, who is my longtime composer for the film, having as great a score as it does. And those two elements, well, three elements with the actors, kind of pulled it all together and made it work. And, and really, it's, it's probably a film that, on set-wise, I had the least amount of control of any film that I did because of disease, which wouldn't allow me to be that present in what was going on. And yet, disease also allowed me to I decided I'm going to edit this whole movie even though I, I can't use my right arm and I can't so I can't use a mouse and uh, because I have the dementia you know, I'd learn a program and then the next morning I try to I open that program and try to figure out you know how does this work you know I don't I didn't couldn't remember what kind of cuts that I had or what version of the film was the right one and I would erase entire projects accidentally because I just couldn't remember where I was. And so the film reflects in a lot of cases that hallucinatory uh, effect of the, of the disease. And it really, you know, it's a paranoia that comes from having the disease. And that's why a lot of people, you know, I know for families, they have a really difficult time when their family member gets it because it changes the personality. It makes them a little more paranoid and, uh, it gets pushes them into a darker area, and I think that's what the film reflects: is 
my going through the the early onset part of this disease, and I, I, you know, even as I was going through it, I ended up being in the emergency room about four times, and once just before the day we started shooting, I was in the ER. So it was really a constant fight just to be able to physically and mentally be present enough to do the film. You said that some days you would get through 30 pages a day. That is amazing. What was your schedule like shooting this? It never really had a schedule because of the fact of uh, my disease. I never knew, like I say, the day before, if I'd be in the hospital or how I'd feel. There were two days that I couldn't even appear on set, and the cast and the crew took it on themselves to get what the amount of work needed to be done, done. And... You know that's really remarkable for a cast and a crew to show up and 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 uh, shoot the movie. And so there were, you know, it was really a, a a challenge for me. And a lot of times when I was editing, I didn't, I you know, I see scenes and I don't, I wouldn't remember the scene at all, and I wouldn't remember who the people were. And I did, you know, just it was a really a, a difficult thing when your mind is slowly, you know, day by day creates this paranoia where you're just not sure what what is real and what's not. You obviously are a science fiction fan. You've been working and doing science fiction fantasy films since the early 80s. I got a real strong Dune vibe from the film. Are you a fan of Frank Herbert's? Yeah, I am. I'm a major fan. And, and I really wanted uh, the film to sort of have that feel you know, where there is that paranoia and whether everything is, you know, what but normally in a film is cut out of fantasy films, which is thought balloons, I guess, or the thinking of the, of the, each of the characters. And also I was influenced by, uh, Isaac Amazon's, uh, foundation trilogy, which I always really loved. And again, so much of it is, is mental. And, and I think I, I always thought that these, um, you know, especially space fantasy, science fiction, uh, that they just didn't go enough into the details of, of, uh, like they did on, they do on history, history movies, like the kingdom of heaven has a lot of depth. I'd also watched line in the winter at that time and really liked line in the winter, how, you know, words become sword blows and the words and ideas become bullets and far more devastating than, you know, laser guns and just, you know, killing fodder soldiers and stuff. I thought it was, uh, I wanted to see the people who were ahead of this that were involved in creating the situation or involved in the situation in a major way to be inflicted with wounds and to, you know, you get the sense that it's not just about blowing up a Death Star, it's about what happens to people. Now, when we spoke a few years ago, we were talking about Road to Hell, which I remember you shot a lot of that purely green screen to give it this otherworldly effect to it. And it looks like you did pretty much the same thing with Interstellar Civil War. And I'm curious, you know, you shot Road to Hell, I mean, 2008, if memory serves. That's almost 10 years ago. I'm curious how the things have changed since then. Well, I learned a lot from uh, Road to Hell. I learned, you know, that was really my second green screen experience. And it was really an early digital experience, too, because I just didn't understand how it all worked. But after going through Road to Hell, I had a much better understanding of the tools, the technology had evolved, and 
and people have become the audiences have become much more acclimated to to seeing green screen, you know, and and I think that's where I was led. You know, I knew that was the only way I was physically or mentally going to be able to do the film. I had to be in a controlled environment. I couldn't be on location. I had to be in a temperature controlled because temperature really affects my body and my mind. And um, I had to be, you know, in a very safe environment where I could, you know, where Cynthia, my wife, and co-writer, could watch out after me. And uh, that's basically, you know, why I chose the green screen. But I felt pretty confident in the quality of the green screen that we would do. We wouldn't be able to do, obviously, on on uh, Marvel's level of $250 million uh, film type of effects. But I knew that we could add more mood and more, give the audience more of a sense of what I was going to go, what I was going through with uh, the dementia, how the environment uh, was perceived, at least in my mind, and that's what really the green screen allowed was me to orchestrate what my mind was going through in terms of realities. And I, you know, it's a very honest. Uh, we're not trying to hide the green screen. In fact, we try to even go fairly bold and being unrealistic, which is the way that my mind sometimes is. I have a lot of hallucinations now, and uh, they're vivid. And I know they're not real, but they're like hyper real. So I wanted that element in the film. The film has such a gorgeous look to it. And I'm curious how much of that was on set versus what you were able to do digitally. Um, it was both because it was really because we had the, our DT, Michael Sue, is also a co-producer on the film, and almost essentially a co-director. He understood what I wanted to accomplish and really rallied everybody to, to that effect. And you know, Tony's music in the film, I think really blends nicely and with, uh, with the visuals. And, but Michael really wanted the film to look special because he knew what I was going through and he knew what I had wanted to try to accomplish. And so we tried to make something that was sort of surreal and hyper real and, uh, you know, try to make, uh, the audience experience the same sort of hyper paranoia, uh, hallucinatory thinking that I had on a daily basis. This film clocks in a little bit over two hours, I think two hours and 10 minutes. Have you done a film as long as that before? No, this is the longest. It's, and it's because uh, the ideas and the performances as a film, it's, a, it's kind of a strange film where in the beginning, you have one perception of what you're going to see. And then, in the, you know, real quickly, you real, the audience will realize that it's not what they think, what they're going to see. And, you know, my thinking was a lot of people would think it's a Star Wars ripoff or, you know, this kind of thing. And, and right away, they'll realize that it's not. And then it becomes much more like a line in the winter, which is about hidden agendas. And it's about the subconscious of what your people's minds think how they reach decisions and how those decisions play out and affect a lot of people's lives and how, uh, you know, the people that you think are heroes in the movie are essentially manipulated into being heroes or non-heroes. And uh, I wanted to show that there was was no 
uh, it changes the the landscape of what a hero is and isn't. Seems in that way to almost reflect the times that we're in these days. Yeah, well, that just <laughs> that came about just because I don't know. When I started the film, it it didn't really have that because it took, even though we didn't shoot that many days, it took two years to shoot because I was sick so much and I was going undergoing the initial treatment and drugs for my disease and it affected me pretty strongly. And, um, you know, you have good days and a lot of bad days and I was getting used to it. And, um, I tell you, the actors were just remarkably and the crew were just remarkably supportive. I mean, they put up with an extraordinary situation that lasted over two years. If you can believe a lot of some of these actors or most of these actors were with the film for two years. And that's pretty incredible. I know it's got to be tough for actors to stick with a project for that long because they're constantly working. And to make themselves available at the drop of a hat because whenever I, my you know my health was was well enough and I, I can't say enough about the, the actors, how they all just, you know, like, we had tried to have a screening, in fact, in uh, Cincinnati at Horror Hound for screening, and it, we, somehow we had hard drive problems, and it, we only could screen like our first 20 minutes, and it wasn't 20 minutes of the actual film, but it was 20 minutes of uh, early assembly, and it was just um, kind of a nightmare thing. But even then, the actors came from other cities, from Texas, from Chicago to Cincinnati, and their families, and they all came. And, and even though it was really disappointing, the presentation didn't go well. They still, you know, hung in there tough, and were they were supportive to the end. And I can't say enough about that. You know, it just you just don't find that. What's been kind of the reaction to the film since it's been out? Uh, I think it's been pretty good. I think people have to get over the audience seem to have to get over the shock of a, uh, you know, it's almost like they expect a sci-fi channel type uh, space adventure ripoff and when it's obvious that it's not and it's a much more cerebral uh, cinema experience and you got to listen to all the dialogue and it's much more like uh, you know 12 Angry Men and uh, I think it. some people can make that adjustment and some people they really get uh, have their expectations in, in stone I think they have a much more difficult time with the film but you know, I just think that uh, it'll probably have the best reaction of any film I've done because at least it's pure. You know, it's 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 all my vision. There's no compromises for any distribution or marketing. It's it is what I wanted to put on the screen. And if people can uh, look at it in the right context, very open-mindedly, and want to go on an adventure, a real cinema adventure, then they can appreciate the film. But you know. Sometimes these films, when they're like that, they just don't do that well because, you know, audiences have their expectations. I was just watching something this morning on YouTube that about the Batman versus Superman, why it got so much hate. It is true, you know, the, the, audience, the audiences have expectations. And uh, nowadays, more than ever, because of the Internet, they're much more in the loop and uh, there's more social media. So I'm hoping that if we can create enough word out on the internet of what kind of film it is, I think it helps, you know, going in if you know that it's like when I went to first see 2001, 
when I went to see it in Cinerama, I had read a couple reviews, even though I was a kid. And so I knew what to expect. And it makes all the difference in how you see a movie like 2001. A lot of people I know, when I saw it in uh, Hawaii, when it opened, a lot of people walked out. They reached a point of uh, frustration and, and, you know, confusion about, and they hated it. But then there's a lot of people that stuck to it to the end, and I think those are the people who more, when they came in, they knew what they were going to see, and so were more prepared to accept the experience. And I think that's going to be true of, not that, you know, Interstellar is like 2001, but I think it's, it is really, really different than what audiences would come to expect of an independent, you know, uh, space opera. And also it's, it's about how decisions are reached in the, in a space type, you know, when you have a, uh, galactic battles, how decisions are made. I think that I think the most successful film that I've seen accomplish it was probably a little bit of, like, I love Dune, but I know that, uh, the, the battle, what is it? Battle Star Galactica also, you know, were dealt with more the psychology of, of the situation as opposed to, you know, just all, all its action which becomes, I think, numbing to some extent. And that's why I like the Batman versus Superman, because I liked a lot of the ideas of the film. You know, I think films that have ideas, that they're exploring ideas as opposed to uh, action and, and uh, you know, the fan, more fanboy type stuff, I think have to be longer mo- a longer movie because it just takes longer for those ideas to have time to settle in. You can't really rush through it or else, uh, like Kingdom of Heaven, Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven, if you saw that, the release version, you know, it's kind of muddled. And then you see the director's cut, which is about three and a half hours long, and you start to understand all the subtleties that were cut out of the film. And they were so necessary, really, for the film to have the resonance that it really, that Ridley Scott had originally made. And uh, it, it just, sad that they cut it so it would be a faster-paced experience. I, I just think that the pacing becomes a much more complicated deal. Mr. Kuhn, thank you so much for your time today. Okay, well, thank you.
Thank you.